Hi, welcome to Amphergy Advocacy Media. You're watching the Journey Series video podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Crystal. And today's guest is Mandy Hatter, and she's going to talk to us about her journey. Hi, Mandy. (laughs) Hi. Hi. (laughs) Hi. How's it going? It's going good. And I hope you both are well. (laughs) Thank you. Good. So, um... It's pretty much up to you where you want to start. <laughs> Go ahead and start wherever you, okay, whatever wherever you feel like. So I guess that I'll just start at the beginning. So in 2008, my disabilities really began just grabbing a foothold in my life. I had an allergic reaction to sulfa that um, caused. Uh, bunch of things to go wrong at one time it caused autoimmune disorders diabetes high blood pressure i was in the hospital for 10 days and then all of a sudden i started getting everything under the sun i was finally diagnosed with fibromyalgia and at a point in 2012 i had to put myself through school while I was dealing with the different disabilities and my thought was oh I can just power through everything but the problem was that there was a lot of walking a lot of concentration and I kept bucking the idea that I needed help with things so with all the fluorescent lights and using my eyes for reading and computer work and everything all the time. My vision started blurring and I wasn't able to see very well. And so I actually had to have a disability plan with the university that I was going to and get a screen reader and a whole bunch of different uh agreements with the professors like being able to wear sunglasses and a baseball cap in class and having a little bit more time on walking between classes because eventually I had to use a cane everywhere that I went and there were times that I had so much pain from the fibromyalgia in my leg that I actually had to wear a walking cast and so it it was one of those things where I was just learning about how my disabilities affected my life. They didn't, it really hadn't set in, oh my gosh, I have a disability. It was just like, I've got this thing, I got to work around and just kept trying to put it off in my head. And then I got to my final year in college and I was playing freeze tag of all things and my they had just redone the gym floor and my foot stuck to the floor when I was running and side by side dislocation and suddenly I am partially paralyzed in my right leg and uh you know the difference of five seconds 
and I am in a wheelchair for eight months and cannot move my right leg, uh, had drop foot. And that's something that I'm dealing with now for the rest of my life. Um, I had to have three surgeries on my leg and still I had the rest of my schooling to go through. So I was stubborn. I'm like, I'm not taking a break. I am finishing this. I am, I I've missed a lot of my kids' younger years. I don't want to miss any more. I want to get to the point where I can get a job and move on with this. A wheelchair isn't going to stop me. And so I got myself through the rest of school and I got a job. And my very first year back, I tripped over a student. Uh, I was walking around with a cane at that point in time, but I tripped over a student and I got a concussion and I was out for the mm. rest of the school year from January mm. through June. And um, then from then on, that was my first concussion. And um, from then on, I was dealing with vision problems, comprehension issues, um, not being able to do simple math on one plus one and all of that. So I had to take the time off because how in the world is somebody going to be able to watch after your kid or to um, teach them anything if they can't even comprehend how to do it themselves? So it was really hard for me to humble myself and to say, I literally can't do this. And um, I was going to different doctors all the time. I had four to five appointments that I had to drive into town for a week. And um, finally, I was able to get back to work with the help of vocation rehab and they were absolutely wonderful um, and went through the entire classroom trying to figure out, okay, we need to make sure this is better. We need to make sure this lighting is dimmer, that we need to turn off half of the lights because you can handle if they're in the back of the room. So, you know, just different things that they thought of that helped me to get through the day but didn't affect other people like you would think that it would. And so things were going okay. And then I got my first cancer. So I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Wow. And so that was in my third year of teaching. And um, I was like, okay, I have to take the time to take care of myself and uh I quit my job and I had three surgeries that summer and I was getting ready to go back to work that fall um they they had gotten all the cancer and I was getting ready to go back to work as a substitute teacher because I needed to give myself time mm -hmm. And I was all certified. I was ready to go. And the day before I was to start school and to be available for teachers, I was in a motorhome wreck. 
And I was thrown from the dining area over to the kitchen cabinet area and hit my right temple. Oh, goodness. And so it was a severe concussion. Um, I could hardly see. Everything was extremely blurry um, to where the room was spinning. And um, my ears were ringing. I couldn't really hear very well. All I remember when I woke up was I was sitting in the middle of the floor with the dining room table leg in my hand, waving it around like I was Harry Potter. And um, so I, uh, I made sure that my kids were okay. And then when that adrenaline stopped pumping, my kids were okay. They were taken off somewhere safe. I realized that, oh, wait it wasn't just that I was stunned. There's actually something wrong. And then I felt like I needed to go to sleep for a very long time. So mm. I um, was checked out and diagnosed with post-concussive disorder. And all of a sudden I can't work in three years and I could not work for three years mm. and things were not getting better. They in fact were getting worse and my fatigue was just horrible and uh i couldn't eat and i was getting up later and later in the day and mm -hmm. all of these awful symptoms started piling up on me and so i was going to the doctor all the time mm -hmm. different doctors i i went to all the different kinds of specialists I can even possibly think yeah. of because they mm -hmm. couldn't pinpoint what was going on. And that was when I was diagnosed with my paraganglioma tumor. And, um, I, and that was found totally by accident, which come to find out that's something that happens a lot with that one, because they don't look specifically for it. What my cancer doctor taught, called it was uh the unicorn of all tumors <laughs> that uh doctors are taught about it but they never see it and so it's mythical like a magical unicorn <laughs> so they're always told to not expect that that would be it and that it, that's basically never the diagnosis and the way that they were able to guarantee that that's what i had was i had to have a biopsy and so that it it was quite a defeating feeling uh at that point I was already going through my application of trying to get disability mm -hmm. and disability wasn't responding well I'd already been going through the process for two to three years and um even though I had all of these other things, chronic migraines, fibromyalgia, the type two diabetes, the issues with walking, um, the partial paralysis, none of that was getting accepted. And, um, and so I was already panicking going, how in the world am I going to be able to support myself and be a participating member of the society? I can't even pay $500 of bills to keep my electricity on, you know, 
Um, and so, um, that was an exaggeration. That was like cell phone <laughs> electricity <laughs> and phone. That would have been panicking. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I was like, I thought I Oops. have problems. <laughs> Yeah, that's only $200. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, but um Yeah, it's funny. So, somehow somehow the electricity company has convinced us is only 200. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like right? that's acceptable. 200 is way over, you know, pro uh, never mind. Yeah. A totally different conversation. Go yeah. ahead, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, even so, I couldn't cover the $200 that I have for an electric bill. And right. that's with my electricity off the majority of the time. So, right. you know, it's so weird. But um, so, you know, I was already in that panic mode. And then to find out I was, I had another cancer and it was very hard to treat and it was something that affected my blood sugars and my blood pressure to where they were insanely high insanely high and um so i had the tumor removed and it's something that can come back at any time and it can spread to other areas it's not something that I'm worrying about right now. Right now, it's settled. And right now, I am cancer-free. And, Good. you know, I'm leaving that in that box. And <laughs> so, I, when I had that removed, things started leveling out. I started getting more energy. I started being able to do things like walk across my property and to my neighbor's house, which is only like 150 yards away. And um being able to walk on semi-uneven ground and being able to get up in the morning at a regular time, being able to sleep at night more than one hour. Um, I was down to sleeping about three to four hours a week because I literally could not sleep no matter what I did right before that was taken care of. So it felt so good to feel somewhat normal. And um, I was finally able to make sure that my teaching license was renewed and that I was going to be a substitute teacher and I've been able to work some up to two days a week uh, mm -hmm. as a substitute teacher since September. And so that has been so satisfying. Um, but even that, you know, I, it's almost like I get punished for doing that because um, right. end of June, early July, I was accepted into disability because of that last tumor and um they were like okay you're on full disability we're going to reevaluate in about six months to a year and you can't work more than what you would earn um okay i said that wrong <laughs> you can't <laughs> 
you can't earn more than $1,300 a month. And um, so when I was hired, then I had to be very clear to the schools, I cannot earn more than this. So there needs to be a stop gap in the system where it's like, okay, you've worked more than this many days, you're done. Um, Cause I can keep track of it, but if I've got teachers constantly calling me and saying, I've got five days in a row that I'm not going to be here. That's taken almost the entire amount that I can work in a month. And yeah. so, um, you know, I'm happy to work. I'm happy to be there. Um, but my exhaustion level gets so bad if I work over two days a week. And it's not just limited by the amount of money that I would get from disability. It's limited by how exhausted that I get. So mm -hmm. if I work more than that two days a week, I start to stumble over my words. I stutter. I slur my speech. I start forgetting what I'm supposed to say. Um, if I'm talking to someone and answering questions, um, then it reduces the amount of workability that I have. So um, my brain is processing harder at that time. I, I'm pausing a lot right now. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> my brain is processing harder at that time to answer the specific question or mm -hmm. to stay on topic. Right. And um, that's something that I struggle a lot with. I, I can talk without somebody interrupting me for quite a while, but I'll be mm -hmm. drifting on topics here, there, here, there. It's like a connect the dots picture. You're all over the place and right. it's not linear where you're sitting here and going, okay, I'm talking about building a snowman. I'm out in the snow and I'm getting the top ball and I'm getting the middle ball ready and I'm getting the bottom ball. Then I put the middle ball on the, no, I'll be like, okay, so I built a snowman. Oh, I built the middle ball. Wait, no, I, I uh i had to roll the bottom one what wait bottom biggest no <laughs> it's just like yes okay uh -huh. i i have a hard time trying to describe to someone without exaggerating like that but that's what it feels like inside my brain like i took all the notes for everything clipped up the words and right. i just have the little words on each individual piece right. of paper and I threw them up in the air and then I tried to make a sentence mm -hmm. and just by picking yeah. it up out of the sky that's well, what that's it not really like. exaggerating that's <laughs> more like that's I don't realistic know. That, I guess <laughs> yeah yeah no I get what you're trying to say but mm -hmm. it's not exaggeration you're not trying to you know embellish or anything or yeah <laughs> I guess to us when we've experienced it it's not an exaggeration to other people it feels like an exaggeration I guess is what I'm yeah. going 
for. Yeah, I get because um, it's like, oh, it couldn't be that bad, and it's like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> right now, my head feels like a snow globe, and somebody just took it and went. Shh. and shook it up but um that's why it's so nice like during these interviews that every once in a while if I'm talking to you you go okay well we were on this topic can we talk about that (laughs) like oh yeah we can do that (laughs) it's okay well it's simple because I've been there you know in that situation you're you're dealing with you know, where there's so much drama and so much situational stuff going on around you mm-hmm. that's preventing you from being able to stay on task and, you know, talk about the topics you need, need even still sometimes. And I'm not sure. I think mine has to do with also the ataxia, the brave fog stuff. Sometimes I'll be talking about something and I won't be able to, uh, I won't find the word that I need. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. So it's a little bit different, but the two combined or make it challenging. So yeah, I I have word find a lot too. And so I get you on that. Yes, Marco, I'm sorry. I I, I was going to say, I I experienced that too, but I guess mine's a little bit different. I mean, I still have difficulty though sometimes finding words or maybe I'll I'll be talking and using a different yeah. saying something different than what I mean to. Yeah. That's why I don't think mine has to do with the brain injury. That was 20, 25, 24 years ago, you know. <laughs> I, I I really do think because we have the same thing attacked yet, you know, I think it has to do more with just uh not being able to find the words or being stuck, you know. Yeah. So well and I'm I'm trying to think about how to say this part. I know that um I've been through a lot of different brain therapies and things like this. And I'm sure that you have too, where Mm -hmm. I know that if I hadn't had those trainings, those therapies and learned the different tools that help me, that Mm -hmm. I would still be dealing with a lot of that stuff. I still do deal with a lot of it, but I'm preparing for the instances where those things happen so while I notice that things are happening then I'm using my tools to help me get through it but in using those tools it's taking some of my exhaustion level at the same time and so um it's not the same as if somebody else was trying to have a conversation and it just flows and comes naturally they may not hear the way that we stutter stumble through things or pause trying to find a word and um it yet it's noticeable to us because you feel that 
for me it's like a pressure um Mm -hmm. things get really tight and it feels almost like on a verge of a headache and it Mm -hmm. gets really muddy trying to think through that and to find the word or the phrase that I'm looking for um I'm trying to make it something relatable and I'm right now I can't think of anything but um (laughs) it's very hard to explain um and it's not that I'm trying to put myself in a different category or people that deal with this situation in a different category and say no 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 you just don't understand you could never understand that's not it it's Mm -hmm. that it's so different from I walked into a room wanting to get a glass of water from the kitchen and I forgot that I wanted a glass of water. That would be a normal thing that anybody could go through. And I will walk through the room and go, I forgot what I was doing. Forgot is probably not the right word. It's like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here. It's like my entire being just blanks and I'm just there. <laughs> and so there's, there's times like that. And then there's other times like I'm forgetting everything and uh, I'll have had my keys and I set them down right next to me. And I'll still be standing there. And it's like, I had something in my hand. What did I have in my hand? I don't even know what I'm looking for. And um, so while the other person is like, I set my keys down somewhere. I'm like, why is my hand empty? (laughs) So uh, it's still very hard for anybody to understand but then you have people that just pop up and go oh you're not dealing with much I deal with that all the time and (laughs) so it it, I find it frustrating um when people relate like talking to you guys when people relate to it and you know that they've actually experienced it that's different Mm -hmm. in the respect that it's so hard finding somebody that well at least it seemed like when I first was diagnosed with this that it's so hard to find somebody that actually literally understands that you know it's not just a fleeting thing it's something that happens all the time and um it was it was so nice meeting you guys and being able to talk to you it was just relieving because that was the first conversation earlier this fall I think when you contacted me yeah that was September wow (laughs) (laughs) that seems crazy Um, but it it was so nice having somebody that I could talk to and it there was complete and total Mm -hmm. understanding and um yet that sadness of somebody understands and Mm -hmm. because I don't want people to understand I don't want people to go through this right Um, yeah yeah. 
it's, so it's a uh, nope thought just went <laughs> never mind that's okay <laughs> um i was gonna say that um when people can't understand the concept of what we're dealing with you i think about it on a psychological level mm -hmm. um so many people have been told and stuck in thinking you have to pretend like this isn't going on, pretending like this is not happening. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any, you're crazy. You know, that positive, negative, positive, wait, what toxic positivity. Um, sorry, but, uh, oh, you're fine. Um, you know, but I, but it's kind of, um, like right now where people are realizing that they're, they're not crazy. These are situational things that happen with a lot of people. Just so many people who have been faking it or have to live in a world where they have to show people that, oh, that's not really a thing. I'll just hide it down here. And I'll just you now pretend like everything's fine, you know? So I don't think that it's as um, what am I trying to say? Um, I don't think it's as um, prevalent as not not understood as what you're saying i think it's just been buried for so long you yeah know? yeah and i i do believe that you're right on that even now i get fearful about somebody in my professional world finding my youtube channel or uh different places where i talk openly about my disabilities because you know it, are they going to discredit me as a teacher because i have just both different disabilities <laughs> I was starting to combine two words together. I struggle with that a lot. Um, what is that called? There's a word for that. I don't know. Uh, I forget what it's called. Mark, do you know? Mm, There's an actual phrase that, you know, and it's in the dictionary. I can't think of it. Gosh, anyway, now I want to go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, okay, that I have different disabilities. I'm amazed that I found my topic again. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but if they find out about different disabilities, are people that have buildings that have staircases going to say, oh, well, we're worried about you falling. We don't want you to teach here mm. or um well we don't really want you teaching 
in the higher grades because we don't think that you'll be able to comprehend how to do the different uh, classes or the lessons. And um, the thing is that I only work in the positions that I am extremely confident that I will have no issues in. And I only work on the days that I know I won't have issues. So um, it's something where I know how to gauge my um, abilities from day to day. And um, this is something that I was talking to you about earlier of uh, spoon theory that my oh, counselor and my nice. therapist were talking about. Yeah. Um, so spoon theory is something where every single person, abled or disabled, it and <laughs> on any type of ability is able to get the same amount of spoons every day now a spoon it equals a certain amount of energy that you have to complete a task and you only have a certain amount of spoons every day to be able to complete all of your tasks so everybody has to gauge how much energy that they have but some tasks for some people take more or less spoons than others mm -hmm. so for someone in the normal category getting up and getting ready changing their clothes eating breakfast you know that process of getting ready would only take one spoon Whereas somebody that's dealing with different disabilities, I'll use myself as an example, just getting up out of bed, I have to do a certain amount of stretches before I get up out of bed and I have to take a different route to sit up because my leg gets in the way or what have you. So just the process of getting out of bed takes two spoons and then getting up and doing any bathroom bathroom stuff that takes two more spoons and then getting dressed taking care of my hair and everything takes another one so their one spoon the mm -hmm. norm compared to my five mm -hmm. now we still have the same let's say 25 spoons total for the entire day but i just spent five just getting ready to go out the door in the morning and so it's, it's a really good comparison, uh, a visual or an explanation, I think, to show people that there are differences in the abilities and we are trying our absolute best, but our different activities, even though we're doing the same things, take different amounts of energy and um it's not the same for everyone and while people realize that it's not the same for everyone um sometimes you just don't think about it if you don't have to deal with it and um that's totally understandable i totally get it i'm not putting anybody down for that um but if you're 
dealing with a supervisor that's never had a disability on their own or somebody that is in a position like in social security when you're applying to disability or any of those programs where you're looking for help, then they don't have experience with disability. They don't understand how much of a difference that there is energy-wise that's put in between what they've experienced and what you've experienced. Then they're wondering, why is it so hard for you to do paperwork? Why is it so hard for you to do the number choices on the phone answering system. Mm-hmm. And I cannot say how many times that I have hung up on those phone answering systems mm-hmm. and gone, I cannot keep track of press one for this, press two for the. Okay. Mm-hmm. How many different times did we just have to go through that? I, I think there was one that they had like five different sections that you had to go through. So you press one once and then it comes up with another list. And I'm like, I'm in a panic. And then all of a sudden you end up at a dead end and it says, oh, well, (laughs) goodbye. (laughs) I've been trying this for a half hour now. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So um, it gets to the point where while they think they're trying to help by making things okay. I'm, I'm looking for the word again, um, by, by trying to pare things down into small sections, sometimes they're trying to organize it, but it's actually getting cluttered and overwhelming trying to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's almost like, I wish that um businesses in that respect would have somebody that they could contact like like even the vocational therapist or somebody that they could contact to help them set those things up because Mm -hmm. it um it would make things so much easier um if they didn't just assume that they were helping and again the fact that they're trying i commend them for that (laughs) i'm trying to recognize the efforts that people put into it and um but it is still frustrating when you're in this situation and going oh my gosh they're trying to help me again (laughs) usually the way it seems to work with in many areas is that they build a system for everyone that's able to Mm -hmm. just we'll call them normal they build these systems and then it's up to you if you have a disability to fit into that system they're not going to build a system for disabled people generally right right which would make the most sense because it's going to work for everybody right Right. And it, it would be nice if it did. Um, and recognizing, I mean, this brings me to my next topic on it. Um, 
the different oh gosh i am having a lot of problems <laughs> with words today the different um assistance take devices oh no i don't think it would make any difference i okay it, for me for me if i take a break then i'll just forget which <laughs> direction i was going in and okay. so um it doesn't really work for me okay. unfortunately but thank you for the offer um <laughs> but um different assistance devices um now again the they're trying to help so I think I mentioned this in our last interview with a group on our round table, but when I was in a wheelchair, I had difficulties when they very first came out with those bumps right at the cutouts and the sidewalks because it really helped when you were going down, but when you were trying to go back up, the other side then it stopped me from going up because you lost that momentum trying to go up the ramp and right. so then you're constantly having to go up these little inclines yeah now I bless them they did a great thing on keeping people from with in wheelchairs from just sliding out into traffic that's that's wonderful um mm -hmm. but just because it helps one person doesn't mean that it's not going to be a stumbling block for another right. person and um you know one other thing that I ran into was when I started being able to walk and I was walking across those and I couldn't mm -hmm. do uneven ground and all of a sudden the entire cutout is covered in these bumps. And it's like, how do I get up here? <laughs> I don't know how. So right. it's, um, it's very interesting. And I think that anybody, any ability, whatever, could find something to complain about, about any assistance mm -hmm. device. And so, yes. <laughs> Can I ask a question real quick? Um, I'm not sure exactly what you mean by the cutouts and the, what um, do you mean? So when somebody is crossing the street, mm -hmm. uh, there is the sidewalk and it Are has Are you talking about ledge. the yellow, the yellow and white circles? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So when you're on the sidewalk and then here's the street, it, the cutout is the ramp going down. Okay. Gotcha. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Not a problem. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> clarify. So, um, but, uh, I don't think I had anything else I was trying to say. No, I, I, I think I was trying to fill in a spot that didn't exist mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay um any questions mark yeah well uh thank thanks for sharing all that mandy i know that was a lot so like all that stuff that happened the fibromyalgia issues and the chronic pain and the cancers did that 
all crop up in this. How long was that? Did that go on? Uh, the entire process was from, uh, really 2008 up until this last year. So, um, so eight to 22, we've got, yeah. Oh, math. 14 years. <laughs> wow. So, so, um, but a lot of it showed up since 2015. Right. So, um, it was really the last seven years that mm. things started getting diagnosed and nailed down as far as mm. this is what it is and mm. this is how we should handle it. Um, my first cancer was 2019. And then this last one was, you know, 22. So that was just the last three years. Um, so I, I struggled a lot with loss of identity, um, trying to define myself, uh, by this, abled versus disabled level and it that doesn't make sense you don't <sighs> defining myself on how much ability that I have put me into such a narrow box that I felt like I had lost everything every piece of myself mm -hmm. and uh at first when I had my first concussion, I mm. couldn't do any of my art. I couldn't sing because um, I wasn't able to put my words together well. I was an author and I couldn't write. I couldn't do math and I couldn't teach. Um, so I was stuck at home mm. and doing basically nothing every day because I couldn't watch TV even. I couldn't read. So I was just staring at a wall all day long because everything was too stimulating. It would mm -hmm. cause the migraines or cause my vision to disappear or any mm -hmm. one of those different things. And any light from outside was overwhelming and so I constantly had the shades down. The room was just dark and um, I wasn't able to participate in almost anything, just regular family life-wise. And mm. so it, I was very self-destructive um, and basically at that point just felt like okay everybody needs to participate in life without me because I'm just a drag on everyone else I'm just keeping everyone back and mm -hmm. I still struggle with some of that mindset um you know I have bad days uh I have chronic depression now I have chronic anxiety and um you know, a bunch of things that I'm working through, but I'm working through them and I have conquered some of them and some of I, I'm still working through. And 
the thing is I never gave up. I didn't mm-hmm. let it just trounce me down into the ground and say, I'm not a person anymore. Why am I even here? And um, now I can't say I didn't ask, why am I here? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I didn't let it conquer me. And so right. I found one thing to succeed and, in every day. And the fact that you're here talking about it, that says a lot. It took, like when I was dealing with some of the same stuff and loss of self, I did a video actually last year um, in another group, a taxi group um, called Acquire the Taxi, explaining Acquire the Taxi. And it's on YouTube. <laughs> but um, at that time, though, you can, I, even I watch it back at this, you know, today. And you can definitely see my struggle to read what's on the screen, talk about what I want to talk about. I'm shaking like crazy. Well, I have tremors, I have a taxia. But often when you're, doing something and it's taxing on you, your taxia gets worse, right? Your tremors get worse. So it's very obvious to be watching that back, you know, all the, and of course I knew all the background things that were going on that were making all of this much, much worse, not just like with not having this talk, you know, but, and it was to help my fellow Ataxians, you know, to help them. But at the same time, it's also when I look back at it, it's really hard to look back at, you know, because of that. Right. But, you know, I've come through, you know, trying to figure out what I need to do to still help people, but in more of a relaxing way and what works for me and what people I have in my, you know, in my circle, things mm-hmm. like that. So you just have to do the, the same thing. You have to, you know, make things work for you, find what, you know, different diet, different whatever environment, you know, different people in your circle, things like that. And yeah. It, you know, it. I know it's. I know it's frustrating because it seems like it takes forever to yeah. get it all, but you get it finally. And like I told you, you know, it took me a long time to let Mark in, you know, yeah. and yeah, let let him, you know, she'll explain different pieces of me. And explain how I felt about certain things and even cry about it, you know, things like that. It took me a long time. But when you finally get to that point, that shows you a lot of, you know, things that. <laughs> so keep, keep trying and, you know, move forward. You got this. <laughs> Well, and I appreciate you so much because, um, you know, I'm, I'm behind you on the journey a little bit, but I'm finding the same things to appreciate as well, because 
I I found a friend group that supports me as me and you know they're trying to learn um how to handle all the different things that are me now um all my different abilities and you know disabilities but there I think a big thing of what somebody new in your life is trying to learn is what your what to expect of your resilience are you going to push yourself to hurting yourself do they have to protect you do they need to stay out of your way do they need to you know let you be you and I said the biggest thing that I need from someone is for them to ask me. Mm-hmm. I need to be asked, do I need help? Or, mm-hmm. you know, do I want to participate? Am I enjoying the way that I'm participating? Give me the option. Give me the right to choose because maybe I will just tell you no a lot of the time. I'm no, I can't do this. But mm-hmm being able to participate and make that decision for myself is huge and so at the same time though if I ask for help and then somebody immediately tells me no I'm not going to help you you need to get through that it was really humbling to try and say I need help to begin with you know I I need that support that if I do finally get to the point where I'm saying, I need your help, uh, that there's at least a a response that just a second, I'll be there to help, to try to help you, you know, and, Mm -hmm. or I'll help you get something to where you can, you know, do what Mm -hmm. you're wanting to do. But, Mm -hmm. um, there's there's a lot of times especially by people that I don't know that they've said no I'm not going to reach something for you you do it yourself (laughs) or whatever and um that that feeling of I feel strong enough to ask for help and then being defeated it it sort of where am I going with this? It sort of works against you uh, on, or at least for me, it works against my confidence on asking somebody again. Um, And so um, not to say that people don't have a right to say no, just saying that that's something that it can happen. Um, But anyways, (laughs) <laughs> so, uh so uh i i mean from what i've seen one of the big big uh i know uh can't think of the word now uh but one of one of the big culprits that that does that sort of thing is like the government you know they'll broadcast out there that they're going to help support people with disabilities. But then when you go to apply for something, they say stuff like, 
oh, you're not disabled, right? Or they'll say stuff, okay, you need this device. Go see this expert who knows you better than you know yourself. And <laughs> they judge whether you need X, Y, Z. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um, in going through the uh, application process for disability, it, it's very defeating um, being sent to doctor after doctor uh, where, mm -hmm. you know, we see doctors all the time. It's not a thing where we've gotten to a point in disability where we're like, oh, well, I've not seen anybody, but I'm just guessing that this is what's wrong with me and I'm going to fly. <laughs> yes. I, it, 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 I, I didn't just go to Goodwill and get my wheelchair. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, um, Craigslist is my friend, but not that much. Um, <laughs> And so I, I, I find it rather insulting when I have a whole bunch of highly sought after specialists that I go to and they won't take their word as specialists and they send me to somebody else where they're forcing me to spend money that I don't have to go travel two to three hours to go to these other doctors that they're paying for. And then if I even breathe the, my opinion of you guys aren't going to give me an actual medical opinion because you're being paid by disability to say that I'm not disabled. Right. And then they'll start yelling at me saying that I'm this horrible person because I'm actually speaking the truth <laughs> yeah. I that's have never been I'm sorry I yeah. was just saying the system is so broken Mark and I were just talking about uh, a general doctor that's going to give you a referral to a specialist right but yeah. then that specialist doesn't have an opening, actually. Um, or or you go to you go to the appointment and then they say, oh, you're late. And then you have to go back to the general doctor, get a new referral. But in the first place, if you go to one and they're not actually available, uh, how come the general doctor doesn't know that? Why isn't there a system in place that tells the general doctor that that specialist is not actually available for you? Mm -hmm. Like his his experience was the specialist is not taking new patients. Why didn't the general doctor know that? No, I don't know. I've run across that many times too. Um, I, oh yeah yeah several <laughs> well it's like it's like something that I told you before um you know I'm sure that you've been through this as well where I have a cognitive therapist that I went to mm -hmm. and um 
for me, I would think that anything that dealt with memory, they'd be the most understanding. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to them constantly. They were two of my appointments a week. There was another doctor that I went to that their acronyms were only one letter off of each other. And mm-hmm. mind you, I was having issues with comprehension mm-hmm. and processing. And so when my appointment thing would come across saying, you have an appointment with this building, um, then I would go to that one and it was the wrong one. And the other one was actually two blocks away. And by the time that I got there, I was three to five minutes late Mm -hmm. and they're yelling at me, even though I had been on the phone on the way over, because I had to be driven places. Mm -hmm. Um, I would be yelled at that. um, It was my fault that I couldn't remember that I needed to set up this reminder, that reminder, this reminder. If I had all these different reminders, I got confused. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was confused anyways with the one that I had. And so then I had to set it up so that it wasn't only reminders for me, it was reminders for other people in my life. And so then here I have two to three people that are remembering things for me that have reminders going off on their phone and calendar reminders to get me to one appointment. And so talk about making me feel even more inconveniencing (laughs) to people because of that. But here it was so hard to get into these appointments and feeling like I'm inconveniencing people And then being told, if you miss one more appointment or you inconvenience us like this again, you're not going to be our patient anymore. And we're the Mm -hmm. only ones in the city. So, and can can we talk about the, if you're disabled and you're on limited income, right? And then you go to all these specialists that were you were recommended to or you were supposed to have referrals to. But like you're talking about the whole scheduling thing, if you don't get there on time or you go to the wrong one and you're two minutes late, three minutes late or whatever, then their their response to that is we're going to have to reschedule you. So we're going to need you to pay that $25, $30 rescheduling fee. Yeah. And for this, not only the $25, $30, there was this one time I was charged $125 for an appointment that I couldn't go I to. It. And yeah. the aggravation with that is that then when I did go to an appointment, I was waiting 25, 30 minutes for it to even start. And mm-hmm. so I asked them one time, it's like, you don't even get me in for the appointment for 25 mm-hmm. to 30 minutes. Right. Why does it matter if I'm two minutes late? <laughs> I was in the parking lot physically here at the building. And it took me that long to get into the building because of my disabilities. Mm-hmm. Why can't you take me in? 
if that's all that it takes. You have a computer that is logging me into everything. Mm -hmm. If the system isn't working, fix mm -hmm. it. Right. I have to at home, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they, it should not be as difficult as they make it out to be. And, um, you know, that's something that I remember from when I was a kid where everything was done on paper and we would go into doctor's appointments and the receptionist is just like, okay, I'll just tell the doctor that, you know, you were two minutes late and it's not a problem. And just goes, tell the doctor, oh, they're here now, you know, I'd rather go back to the paper thing, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I understand it's annoying for them. I'm so sorry. And, you know, I know that seems lackluster, but this is my cognitive therapist complaining about uh, me forgetting mm. or having memory issues and then charging me extra because I have memory issues then putting it in their file that they had to get rid of me as a patient because I wasn't able to be there to my appointments on time. And it wasn't even all the time. It was like once a month that I would make a mistake and mm -hmm. I would still show up, but, and, um, then they not only did that, but they sent notifications to other people around the area that oh well this is a bad patient you probably shouldn't accept her and it's like I still have to get care thank you very much <laughs> yeah. I mean you guys are the ones that let me down because you're supposed to help me through this not make it harder mm -hmm. and so I Sorry, I get a little. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. I'm sorry yeah. you have to deal with that. It, it's oh, so thankfully. Thankfully, it's not really an issue anymore because I'm down to the physical. Well, for us, I mean, but there are so many people that are struggling with that. You yes. know, and, and we yes. have these stories and be able to speak up so it stops happening all this gaslighting and toxic stuff quits happening and systems like that they're supposed to be helping us not making things more difficult exactly and the other thing is that um i find very sad is that the eye therapist in the area that has to do with concussion syndrome and um, the cognitive therapists don't exist anymore. They took them away because they weren't benefiting the other groups mm -hmm. that they were working with financially as much mm -hmm. as other areas. And insurance didn't really want to work with them because they couldn't really prove different stuff. So here people are still needing the help, but they can't get it 
because the only programs that were in the area aren't here anymore. So mm-hmm. it's it's very frustrating because it's something that um, brain injuries are something that are all over the place and um, are extremely serious and there's nothing out there in a lot of places to take care of it. And so then not only is the stuff expensive, but then you have to travel even farther to get help. And so a lot of There's people are having more to get money hotel of our rooms. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to get a plane ticket and a hotel room to go to a doctor appointment. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so Mark, what were you going to say? I was going to say uh, back to the point Mandy made about um, your cognitive therapist calling people in the yard. Uh, other health professionals in the area and informing them that you were a bad patient. <laughs> sad, rea- sad reality is that th- those other health professionals would probably take the word of that doctor over you because, well, they're a doctor. They know, you know, they, know, they, they have this certain credibility factor even though they could be, you know, they could be lying or biased in some way. Yeah. And, um, you know, like when you are released from a job or quit or whatever, the, the employer is not supposed to legally be able to spread any negative news to somebody that calls you for a referral or whatever. Um, I feel it should be the same way for doctors. I feel they shouldn't be able to put that sort of stuff in their doctor's notes that, um, you know, some doctors believe that some disabilities are imagined. And Mm -hmm. I know that fibromyalgia is one of those that, you know, a lot of doctors disagree with. And I had some doctors put in their notes that this is all in her head and it's amazing how that one little sentence worked against me when I was trying to uh get disability to get help and you know the thing is disability is not just uh monetary help but it's help with getting medical insurance and um being able to get the help that i need so that i can be a participating member of society unfortunately i run into a lot of people that are sitting there saying that i'm a drain on society and that i shouldn't even be here because i'm just a uh, burden on the taxes of the uh regular participating people in the work system and um that comment of see where you would be if all the rest of us decided that we were going to just say no we're not going to pay for taxes that support the disabled and you Mm -hmm. know things like that and um it it's rough 
because a lot of the times the people that are saying that are ones that aren't affected or around people that have disabilities at all um and so again it comes it comes right down to that whole thing of if they don't have experience with it then they won't understand why we need help to get how am i wording this we we need help to get through things in order to participate in the first place right and um it's not that we're sitting here and saying i just want to be a bump on the log doing nothing <laughs> a lot of us are sitting here going i am doing anything that i can to be a participating member of the society to be able to do what i felt was a goal in the workforce from the time that I was little or now or whatever my reimagined idea of a participating person is and um I need some steps put up for me to get there instead of the constant stumbling blocks or having the steps taken away while I'm stepping on them. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that's the thing that's frustrating me right now is I felt like I was getting to the point where I was succeeding. I was getting to the point where I was participating again. I was working the one to two days a week. And um, it, it wasn't everything, but it was at least something. But as soon as I got to that point, then the program started contacting me and threatening to take it away. They're like, yeah. well, you're getting to this amount. We're going to start taking your money away. So it's down to this amount. And it's like, now it's down to below what my bills were again. So I'm barely keeping my head above water. But if I work more, then it goes, the support from, yeah, goes down more. And it's a frustrating, vicious circle because yes. it's, <laughs> it doesn't match. No. It's not at the point where they've supported enough to be able to get to the point where you can work and pay off all the bills that are just like right here. It's always keeping you barely under that line. Mm -hmm. And um, my hands didn't make any sense right there. I'm so sorry. Um, no, it didn't. It totally did. <laughs> it's just, um, I guess, uh, to help. Um, I guess, like, so that system is definitely there, you know, to help. But at the same time, it's there to help you. So you can make this much, but, you know, we don't want you to have anything extra or anything else. So we're going to get afraid of you making what, what, what we can give you or more because 
we don't want you to succeed. We don't want you to make more than what, you know, what we can give you. So we're going to cap it all below the point. So, <laughs> so if you start making a little bit, you know, right at the line or just a little bit over, they, they just cut it off. Yeah. Yeah. And that's difficult because, um, you know, it would be nice to feel like I could even sort of breathe <laughs> and not be stressed about that too. Um, but a lot of the time I find that I'm getting to the point where I start to relax and then I'm just immediately slap down and go, no, you're not allowed to feel okay. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, I, I, it is exhausting and I do find that because of that, I still struggle with my identity and um negative self-talk not putting myself down all the time um so i find it even more important that i surround myself with supportive people and take the negative people out of my life the negative influences out and if i don't have a supportive work system that i'm not working with them because if I'm constantly struggling to get support, then I'm not There's ever energy. Yeah. exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. You're constantly going to be fighting for that energy and it's going to constantly drain you down further and further. And yep. you need to have something that will build you up. And there's only so much that you can do on your own. And, you know, I tried to do it on my own. And all I found was that I exhausted myself so much that I made myself more sick than I was to begin with. And um, so, you know, there are those fears, like you were talking about earlier, about reaching out and finding our people finding our chosen family or our chosen friends or who we need to be able to support us or that we feel that we're helping them you know the give and take on that um but this process has taught me that that is just as important as building myself up and having my confidence because mm -hmm. uh even when i'm not confident they are mm -hmm. they're able to be there for me and be able to talk me through such devastating times <laughs> that yeah. i can't even count all of them and be it doctors or new news about the different disabilities that I have or even the idea of a panic about a possibility that might happen 
you know, just a reminder that, you know, that hasn't happened yet. And so it's, um, like I said, the whole process is exhausting, but if you have the right, uh, people around you, it makes so much of a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh while it hurts to let go of those people that are harmful which Mm -hmm. i find interesting because it hurts to have them around too but Mm -hmm. it is so relieving when that negativity is gone Mm -hmm. and you feel like you can breathe and so um you know, I, I really love these long distance friendships Mm -hmm. and, uh, how we have this ability now to be able to talk and share and, um, be able to this minute. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything else that you guys had? Um, I don't. I think, you know, uh, we have some guests that are, they they have a lot to share. <laughs> There's that doubt. So we just kind of, um, Mark, was there anything you wanted well, to? I mean, um, so something, something just happened, which is kind of a pet peeve of mine. And I'm not saying we have to talk about it, but maybe it's something that bothers you. Uh, so somebody walked, somebody walked in, right? And just whatever the person did talk to me. And, you know, I, and I've gotten this before where the assumption is because I'm not holding down a job where I'm getting paid or because I'm disabled, Therefore, that equals that I'm not actually doing work. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> uh, was that many times. Yes. And, <laughs> and the thing you is, get, even... it gets, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. You first. I'm good. No, it, it gets to the point where, you know, you don't talk about. Tamar, maybe we could. Sorry to interrupt, but maybe we could frame this so it gets a bit easier to edit, so we don't just run into conversation. Be uh, I don't know. Yeah. So okay, yeah. Mark, we need some context to start out. Okay, okay, let's start over. Let's start over. Okay. So, Mandy, I was interested to. Or we were interested to know, do you have any sort of uh, situation where you've run into where maybe people don't take you seriously or take your ability to work seriously because you have a disability and they don't think, like they basically think you're retired or something? Yes, actually. 
Um, I have a couple of those situations at home as well as in the workforce with the um, situation where uh, I am a substitute teacher. I have people make assumptions that, oh, well, she hadn't been feeling well, so she's most likely not feeling well still, so we just won't call her. And then I find out about it later that, you know, here I've been without work for a month and a half and haven't been offered any jobs. Come to find out there were like three jobs that showed up just this last week that nobody thought that I would be well enough to do. And they didn't even ask. And so, you know, there's that. And then um, there's also issues where I'm doing interviews like on here and all of a sudden somebody will pop through the door. And um, it's interesting because even though in, and I am, uh, positive that my people are going to watch this video and so I'm just saying this as an example okay but um even though they know that I do live streams and that I'm doing things that benefit me in my art business or in uh teaching they still pop through the door and start talking immediately uh, as if I'm just sitting in my room doing nothing. And it's I waiting think for them to come by, right? Yeah, I think it might just be a thing where, um, excuse me, I have the hiccups, um, <laughs> where I'm at home and I'm in my room and so it's just normal to just open the door and say hey um and just that mental difference maybe <laughs> of um if somebody's in the room they're obviously not doing anything very important and you know I'd prefer a knock but you know <laughs> that's beyond the point um the assumption that just because someone is disabled and you hold precedence over them because you're not disabled, um, thinking that they can invade your space and you're less than, so they have permission to treat you how they want to treat you. Yeah. Says a lot about, you know, them, not you. You're doing what you need to be doing, you know, helping people. Mm -hmm. or you know well you're helping people too at school you know but um uh but in the same respect you know um just because we don't look like you talk like you move like you whatever does not mean we're less than and you need to respect us less exactly. you, you give this the same respect of knocking lightly you know whatever calling before you come to the door you know, texting we have cell phones people use them <laughs> you know i'm sorry i'm sorry go ahead no you're fine can you I... tell i've dealt with this several times mm -hmm. 
and it it's hard when you have to repeat yourself multiple times on well it's easier for me to text than it is to talk on the phone because being able to hear and process the conversation is harder um and so then I text and people don't read the whole message and make assumptions on what I said in the first little part right and um it's like no that's not what I said at all can you read the whole thing and um so then that's difficult um when you feel like your conversations are being rushed um and you're not being fully paid attention to um and you know the thing about space a lot of time I find that I need to be in a totally different building for people to take notice that I'm doing something that you need to ask permission to interrupt and um you know a lot of the time mine is writing or art now um and uh it's not something that I do well just being interrupted because it's breaking a whole thought process and once you interrupt my thought process then I have a hard time getting it back and so um you know that's one other thing that I have a hard time in regular conversations is that if somebody's constantly stopping me mm-hmm. in like mid-sentence then mm-hmm. you know they're not letting me finish my whole thought eventually I just give up I'm just like <laughs> whatever and they're mm-hmm. like no continue on with your topic I'm like I don't even remember what the topic <laughs> was so um and in no way shape or form or any of the times that you know we overlapped here one of those instances that's not what I mean um and so um but uh they get frustrated with me they reserve the right to get frustrated with me because I can't remember anymore it's like well why not I had something that I had to say and then you should have been able to add to it. And it's like, well, I was, but then you thought yours was more important. So that's where we are. I, I don't even remember at this point. I tried three but, times. <laughs> but then that's an issue of that same person being able to come back and say, well, so your thought was more important than mine you know yeah so it's kind of and then them uh framing you as being the problem yeah that you were the one doing the worst talent when because they put they thought that their whatever they were saying was more important then you lost track of what you were gonna say so then when you do try to pick up the conversation it turned into word salad. Then you're accused of doing word salad when you're not, that wasn't your intention. Yeah. Yeah. And so then they're like, okay, well, 
in a later conversation well you never told me what your opinion was and it's like well I tried (laughs) it's not that I never tried to voice it I tried to voice it but you know things happen and so um uh but okay just a second rewind um (laughs) i don't know why i did the sound um okay i want to skip to the invisibility topic because i think i'm getting uh fatigue and so my brain is sort of skipping um skin it's getting a little late for us so let's let's make it maybe the last thing and then we'll do the closing is that good crystal yeah because is that good yeah i think that's what i was just saying (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay okay Okay. great okay so uh um i guess we can just uh uh should we do this See, we, we do the same thing where we start a conversation and, you know, we get tired. So we have a limit where, you know, we have to say, okay, we're done. Yeah. So this is working out good because, you know, you're at the same point. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because um, that's one of the things that people don't see. And, um, you know, that's sort of where I was going is that uh, when people can't see a disability, they don't think it's a disability. They just think that, oh, well, you're just tired. And um, a lot of the time I'll have people doubt that I actually have a disability placard and say, well, you just took your mom's or grandma's or whatever and look at my face and they're like you're too young for that or you're walking just fine or what have you and um they're like no you don't have an actual disability and that goes along with the thought process stuff or fibromyalgia or seeing badly nobody can see that they can't judge what your ability is by how they look at you at that point and people really struggle with that and um it's not only those that are able that look at you but you know i feel that at least in my situation i struggle with it too because i want people to understand that i'm having issues and i feel like i'm obvious um but it's not and so trying to understand their side where they don't understand what's going on it's something that I'm having to be aware of as time goes on so it's a constant learning experience for me on how to prepare other people and to inform them of how I want to be uh treated or respected or included in everything 
And so um, I'm learning to speak up and also to teach others in a way that they'd understand. And so it's a constant learning curve. but um I'm sure that you guys experience that too and so but uh yeah I'm pretty much done (laughs) yeah it's getting kind of late thank you uh thank you Mandy for sharing your journey with us thank you you gave me an opportunity that I just couldn't refuse it's been great talking to you guys so Have a good one. (laughs) Have a good evening. Bye. Bye. Bye.